Welcome to Shadow Life. In this episode of The Roman Files, Roman pinched what was left of the roach between his finger and thumb, determined to get the last toke, and practically cinched his eyebrows in the process with the lighter. Hey, don't bogart that joint, faggot, Parker said, one of his best friends. Bite me, dickface, Roman replied, and passed what was left of the roach to Tim, also in their class. And lived in the same apartment complex, and they were all from newly minted divorced parents. Parker, you're as queer as a $2 bill, Tim said as he sucked what was left of the roach into his mouth and swallowed it, smiling. Parker said, you fucking little shit. Tim replied, I've got the munchies. Let's go to my house and get something to eat. Parker punched Tim in the shoulder. Fucking queer bait. You didn't save me the last hit. Tim unfolded himself and got up off the ground, brushing himself off. That was the last hit, you cob gobbler. Coughing, laughing, spitting, choking. Parker and Roman burst out laughing at the choice of Tim's vocabulary. I mean, laughing at really, well, nothing at all. That was the whole point of getting high, right? I mean, shit was funny, even if it wasn't funny. And that's how Roman and just about every junior high kid spoke to one another. Standard protocol, as they say. Growing up in the 70s, Roman guessed everyone was either a faggot, a queer, or a pussy. The three friends walked out of the park and started down the street to their hood, Greenbrier Apartment Complex. Hundreds and hundreds of low-income apartments occupied by a majority of divorced parents with kids or single divorcees trying to piece their broken lives back together. Parker lived with his mom and his two younger sisters in Phase 3, around the corner from where Roman lived with Mora in Phase 6, the latest model where the room still smelled of fresh paint and new carpet. Tim lived with his mom and and his little brother over in phase one, the oldest of all the units. It was infested with cockroaches, peeling paint, faulty wiring, basically just generally falling apart. Tim was a relatively new member of the circle. He had started hanging out with Roman and Parker when he spied them sparking a joint behind Blockbusters one day and asked if they had a light. The universal opening in just about every smoking culture gathering in the world. Hey, hey man, you got a light? Roman passed the joint to Tim and the rest, as they say, is history. Tim has what Mora calls dirty dishwater blonde hair. Too long, in her opinion, and man, she had plenty of those. It was always hanging over his eyes, which just about drove Mora crazy. She threatened to give him a haircut on more than one occasion. He had the saddest, washed-out blue eyes that Roman had ever seen. They darted about like a mouse, afraid it would soon be a snack. When you tried to talk to him, it was about impossible to keep his eyes on yours, Roman thought. It's like he was a bird trying to find a safe place to perch. He was the sort of kid that was always looking around afraid he was getting ready to get beat up or something. Tim mostly kept to himself a loner. Roman and Parker had noticed more often than not, 
Tim eating breakfast at the school cafeteria, which meant he wasn't eating breakfast at home like most of the kids did. He always looked like he had slept in his clothes the night before or not even slept at all. He wore this dirty old army jacket that he said was his father's back from when he was in Vietnam. His father didn't live at home. He wasn't around much Roman gathered. Well, he was way familiar with that. Tim always sat at the back of the classroom, staring out at the window or asleep at his desk. Maybe his home life sucked, but he had this razor-sharp wit and the blackest humor he had ever come across. Tim didn't give a damn about anything, and everybody was fair game. As far as he was concerned, that included Parker and Roman, too. Parker and Tim knew why Roman's parents had divorced. Like cons in prison, knew of the offenses of their cellmates. The trio shared their stories when they were ready to. Usually after a few tokes and a beer or two, then the walls came down. The three of them shared many similarities of a broken family dynamics. Alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic abuse. But Roman's situation had so far yet to be trumped. It would take some pretty messed up shit to topple his family history. Parker and Tim never brought it up or threw it back in Roman's face when they argued. As a matter of course, they slung as many demeaning remarks towards each other as they would anyone else. The three boys raced the last hundred yards flying up the front stoop of Tim's apartment, taking three steps like one. Once inside the door, panting like racehorses, the three of them were bent over trying to catch their breath in Tim's kitchen. That's when from around the corner a man appeared. He looked disheveled, like he'd just gotten up from an afternoon nap, wasn't quite sure where he was. He wore these thick Coke-bottled glasses, like people wear who are blind as bats. He wasn't a big man by any means, maybe five foot eight, medium build, sort of a beginnings of a pot belly were starting to show. A three-day growth of stubble only added to his already cultivated bum-like appearance. Hello, boy. Aren't you going to give your old man a hug? Tim's father said. Tim, with head bent, drudged over and gave his dad a half-hearted hug. I didn't know you were, you were out, back, home, whatever, Tim muttered under his breath. Oh, yeah. I got out this morning. It's all good. When your mom gets home, we'll all sit down. You'll see. It's going to be fine. Mom mom doesn't know your... Tim's words trailed off as he started putting it all together. So, who's your pencil dick friends you're hanging out with? His father queried as he peered at Roman and Parker. His eyes magnified like a bullfrog about to explode. Hey, Mr. Hauser, the two boys said without the slightest bit of enthusiasm. Tim's father stared at Roman and then asked him his name. Roman, Roman B- B- Bailey, 
he said, cursing under his breath. And Tim's dad had made him nervous enough to start stuttering again. Roman had just gotten over a very pronounced stuttering problem. He thought he'd grown out of it by now, but whenever he got nervous or excited, it would resurface. Bailey, huh? He said, drawing out the word. Robert's not your old man by any stretch of the imagination, is he? Rob? Robbie? That head shrink over at the place where all the loonies live? He was eyeballing Roman now, like a snake laser-focused on a rat right before it strikes. Roman felt Tim's dad set in a trap, and he didn't like where this was going. He just wanted to get out of there, but everyone was looking at him now. Parker and Tim both knew that his father worked at a mental health center, a halfway house for people with mental problems. Yeah, Roman said barely above a whisper. He's my dad, but... My folks are divorced. He doesn't live with us. Roman said, feeling that somehow he needed to show distance between himself and his father to show a separation. You know, to say, look, we're different. Tim's old man had thrown an arm around his son and threw his head back, roaring with laughter. He's a fucking homo. If Robbie is your old man, he's a fudge packer. A cocksucking faggot is what he is. Tim's father barked at Roman. The tiny kitchen seemed to shrink even smaller. It was getting hard for Roman to breathe. He had to get out of there. Tim's dad swung Tim around with one hand and pulled him away from Roman with the other all the while saying, I don't want you hanging out with this fucking queer's kid, okay? You got me? While pointing at Roman, Tim's father said, Has he tried sucking your dick yet? He said it like it was a joke, but there wasn't anything funny in how he said it. His words dripped with an underlying menace. Tim opened his mouth to speak, tried to talk, but his old man backhanded him across the mouth with a vicious slap. Shut the fuck up. Now Tim's father was glaring at Roman, daring him to open his mouth, anything to give him cause. Roman knew what he wanted was for him to start crying like a baby or something. Roman could feel his eyes burning hot, beginning to fill with water. Fuck you. Roman said with as much venom as he could muster and turned to go. You little piece of shit, Tim's dad roared and reached out to grab Roman as he slipped past him and bolted for the door. Roman could hear Tim's dad moving across the room, pushing Parker out of the way. Get the hell out of my house, he screamed. You little punk, you goddamn faggot. The apple don't fall far from the tree, huh? He yelled, rushing towards Roman as he raced down the steps and took off down the walkway. He stopped at the curb of the parking lot and turned to look back. Step on a crack and break your mother's back. And the front door exploded open and Tim's old man came rushing out and down the stoop in a blink of an eye. He was wearing a stained wife-beater t-shirt, 
army fatigue trousers, his hair wild and crazy looking, matted to one side. His wild eyes were magnified and absolutely bulging out of their sockets. In the two seconds that it took for him to reach Roman, who just stood there and stared wide-eyed like a deer caught in the headlights of an oncoming truck, Tim's dad grabbed him with both of his hands and lifted Roman all 70-some-odd pounds off the ground. Up Roman went, and he just kept going. His arms started wheeling backwards. Then with all of his force, crashing down on top of the hood of a Buick that just happened to be parked in that particular spot, Roman's head bounced off the gold-colored hood, leaving an indentation the shape of his head behind. All Roman saw was the blue sky above him and images in his peripheral vision going up and down as Tim's dad slammed him over and over into the car. His head smashing into the windshield. Crack. Fissures spreading out from where his head had impacted it. Tim's father was screaming over and over at Roman, spittle flying from his mouth. You are going to turn my kid into some faggot-ass homo like, like you and your old man, you little fucking fairy. Roman was starting to black out. His eyes rolled back and he could taste blood in his mouth. He had to get away from this lunatic. That was the only thought in his mind as his survivor instincts kicked in. Roman managed to scramble out of Tim's father's wildly strong grip and jumped across the hood to the other side, keeping the Buick between them while Roman was doing all he could just to remain standing. Roman's head was pounding, throbbing. One of his eyes had swollen shut from the repeated blows and blood ran down the front of his face and the side of his head. Parker was yelling for Tim to do something, call the police, make his dad stop. Roman heard a woman scream. Leave that boy alone. I'm calling the cops. Roman ran around in the back of the car and decided it was now or never. He made a dash for it and ran as fast as his legs would carry him. He ran across the grass-covered area that separated the apartment buildings, around the corner of Tim's building towards Unit 6 where he and Mora lived. It wasn't even 5 in the afternoon yet. Mora wouldn't be home for at least another hour. Roman could hear people screaming and yelling for the madman to stop. Roman could feel him, could sense that he was right behind him, chasing him. The mad dog was loose and after the cat, and nothing was going to stop him. He's got a bat, Roman heard Parker yell. Roman burst through the front door, smearing it with blood. He ran straight down the hall towards the back of his apartment to where the kitchen was located. He frantically searched for something, anything to use as a weapon to protect himself. He wasn't about to let that crazy son of a bitch get his hands on him again, not if he had anything to say about it. He saw some scissors, he grabbed them, and then he saw a steak knife laying on the counter and grabbed that instead. Then his eyes landed on a butcher block knife collection that Mora was so proud of. It was made by some high-end German company, Wuschthof, and one of the few nice things they even owned. Roman pulled the biggest knife from the set, an eight-inch piece of German-tempered steel, and he gripped it in his bloody hand. Roman pushed open the storm door and then stepped outside on his stoop. 
crazy dad was there with a Louisville slugger. He was just swaying back and forth, trying to catch his breath. Came out on her stoop, screaming she had already called the police. Get away from him before I shoot you myself, she yelled, waving her pistol in the air. The cops are on their way. I've called the police on you. Crazy dad never took his eyes off Roman. There was no recognition that he'd even heard the woman. People that had already been home were starting to come out on their stoops to watch. Roman already knew most of them were just rubbernecking. No intention of getting involved or helping. They just wanted to watch the drama unfold. Tim's dad slowly started to move towards Roman. His eyes locked on him. Roman made sure to keep well clear where Tim's father could strike him with the bat. He hopped down off his stoop onto the small patch of grass that they called a front yard, and he kept his distance. As Tim's father stepped closer to Roman, he took a backhanded swing with the Louisville slugger at Roman's head. Roman easily leaned backwards, avoiding the Kentucky hardwood. Holding the butcher knife with his right hand, he was prepared to use it keeping his left hand out ready to grab the bat if given the chance. Crazy Dad swung again, this time stepping in closer, forcing Roman to duck in order to avoid being struck. Roman grabbed for the bat but was too slow and he missed. Roman slashed out with his knife trying to keep the crazy lunatic away. Crazy Dad he held that Louisville slugger high over his head and charged at Roman, determined to bash his head in. Roman caught a flash of light from the corner of his eye. He saw Parker run up behind Tim's dad, swinging what looked like was his bike chain. And then it connected with Crazy Dad's head. Bam! He dropped to his knees. He dropped to his knees as blood started to run down his head. It looked like Parker was getting ready to hit him again. Crazy Dad lashed out with a Louisville slugger and clipped Parker on the leg, hard enough to make Parker scream in pain. That's when Roman saw his opening and lunged, thrusting the knife at Tim's dad, aiming for his head. Crazy Dad wasn't down and out just yet. His quick reflexes surprised Roman, but then he remembered. But then Roman remembered that Tim had often said his dad suffered from something called PTSD from the war in Vietnam. Jungle fighting, tunnel combat, all that shit. The combat training must have kicked in as he swung the bat holding it with both of his hands effectively blocking Roman's attack. The afternoon split open with a crack. A shot from a gun exploded, commanding everyone to pay attention. A lady from across the street had been true to her word and fired her pistol up in the air as a warning shot. Police sirens could be heard approaching with everyone distracted by the gunfire. Crazy Dad jumped up and ran for the woods behind the apartment complex. He was running in this zigzag pattern as if someone was still firing at him, ducking and weaving as he disappeared into the trees and underbrush. And just as quickly as it had started, it was over. He was gone. The police arrived, along with an ambulance. Roman was taken to the hospital to get stitched up and x-rayed for a concussion. Mora herself, an RN, hovered over him and made sure that he received the very best medical care. The police report disclosed that the man who had attacked Roman was indeed Tim's biological father. That he had escaped from the state mental hospital where he had been confined receiving treatment for PTSD. 
He had a long list of previous charges, including assault and battery of a police officer, domestic abuse charges. He had pending domestic abuse charges, and his ex-wife had a restraining order against him. Fat lot of good that did, or Moore said to the police. What in the world was he even doing there then, Moore had asked. The police said, well, basically he was just holding up in her apartment, hiding out after his escape. He had used his wife as a punching bag before and after the divorce. It's a pretty unpleasant situation for all concerned, the officer said, shaking his head, thinking about the kids involved. He was just disgusted with it. Roman and Parker eventually had to go to court and testify against Tim's dad. Roman's testimony put him back into the state hospital behind bars and locked doors. Both him and Parker felt sorry for Tim. I mean, it certainly wasn't his fault that his dad was a raving lunatic. But it wasn't the war that made him hate people different from himself. No, that was all him. He did that all his own. Maybe, just maybe, he was a fucking lunatic before he went to Vietnam. And that just screwed him up even more. Roman and Parker stopped going around Tim's place. Just too much bad mojo, Parker said. They eventually drifted apart and never saw Tim much that summer. Roman wasn't feeling very sociable after everything that had happened recently. It seemed to him that his life was spiraling out of control and he didn't know what to do to get it back. Thank you for listening to Shadow Life, The Roman Files. 